Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 176 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Ford, otherwise known as the Chief Archivist of Lave, Ra- of Lave Station, Commander Phoenix Defire. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, Commander Aid Levice, Ben Musswoodwood. I'm playing with me knobs and I don't know if it's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's getting very, 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 very predictable, your innuendos these days. Sorry, in whose endos? Yeah, there you go then. We also have Ashley Devin, <laughs> Dr. Toxic, our Director of Pest Control. Good evening. And finally, we have with us tonight our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So, uh, as per usual, we are hanging around Lave Station. Well, the majority of the crew are hanging around Lave Station, just basking away, enjoying themselves. Uh, And we are also live in Twitch. Um... So if you want to get on the, the, the chat room in Twitch, we, we will answer questions as we go along, uh, as long as they're not rude, but knowing this lot. <clears throat> so we'll just quickly go around and see what everybody else has been doing today on the last week or so. So we'll start with Commander Shan. What have you been up to for the last week? I've actually had a really interesting week. Um, for the last six months, Mrs. Shan has been researching our family tree. And this weekend, she managed to verifiably trace it all the way back to 1100 and something AD. All right. So that's pretty. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so I've now been calling her uh, Your Grace and asking if she's a Lannister. It hasn't gone down particularly well, but anyway. Uh, and uh, in game, I've been preparing to do some scientific experiments on my NPC crew more of which will be revealed in a future show once the experimentation on the NPC crew has been completed does the NPC crew expect to survive this or should we just call you Dr Mengler oh the NPC crew are perfectly healthy at the moment yeah I like the part of the phrase at the moment come on equal rights for NPCs no no equal rights for NPCs (laughs) They take your money for doing nothing, quite happily. So no, no equal rights for NPCs. Well, yes, I'm, I'm I'm sciencing on NPC crews, and it's taken me quite a few weeks actually to get the right quality of NPC crew to experiment on. Okay, well we will we will await with bated breath and slash horror <laughs> while while you perform your experiments. <laughs> Dr. Toxic, what have you been up to this week? Oh, playing with the server again. Um, had a power cut last night. Uh, oh, just before midnight. and So I had to shut the server down, take the UPS out, give it to the snake so that the snake could keep warm. Um, got it all sorted by about half past one this morning by which time I decided to turn the server back on and it decided that it wasn't actually going to boot up properly. Um, Yeah, network stack issues. 
I don't like I don't like server problems. They're they're, they're a pain in the, the backside. Mm, yes, they are a pain in the backside. And I was swearing quite a lot, and my bedtime last night was about half past four this morning. Oh, not well, nice. Yes, <laughs> it's been a while since I have had to pull an all nighter like that. So uh, I, you do you do have my sympathy. It's it's not the having to; it's the not wanting to do it in the morning when you wake up. Yes. One thing I do like to do in the morning is just sit down, put the computer on, put YouTube on, listen to some music, get woken up for the day. And, and I guess in, in the in the game would be the next question is I've decided to go out and check out some passenger missions that I've been given some information on but I can't actually see my discord at the minute so I can't find the information oh so much hidden my discord where is it there it is so I'm currently out at the system Upsilon Aquary mm-hmm and we're looking at doing some passenger missions out to LTT 9360 which should earn some few million credits sounds good it does sound good I was given some information by a commander a small furry rodent in the discord so I'm going to have a little look see how it goes and report back. Excellent. We look forward to hearing it. Uh, Commander Edlevice, apart from basking outside Leave Station, what have you been up to? I've mainly so my joy, my joystick is still down for repairs, so I'm still using my game pads to fly around with, which is increasing. Well, it's still incredibly unnatural, but yes, it <laughs> did mean that I was able. I am able to fly around and. With the use of a docking computer, usually land fairly safely. So, I was doing the Wolves of Jonai CG because um, that was, uh, as we might remember, going back a week, I maybe accidentally shot Toxic, which kind of cost me well, about twenty million in rebuys. Um, so I needed to make make my pennies back. Um, and doing the that CG was netting me around about three or four million credits per trip. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of nice. And I'm now I'm in the top ten percent of it. And when it finishes, which it's it's probably going to tick into tier eight fairly soon, that should probably well net me at least twenty million, I'd imagine, as well as the credits that I've made using it. Um, so yeah, actually, it's probably it's probably netted me about fifty million in total, because I think when I before I started, I was I was down to about seven hundred and seventy seven seven eighty million, and after rebuys, I'm now at eight twenty seven. Right, so, so basically making lots of cash there. Yeah, making lots of cash. Not the you know on I know a, some, on an Xbox controller. <laughs> on, yeah, I know some people are talking. <laughs> I'm not talking about my vibrators, Alien. Um, (laughs) I have no idea. Um, But my... I know that there are some people who don't get out of bed for, you know, 
less than several million per hour, and you know, I know. Well, that some people are talking I about have making. No idea who you're talking about. Ben. I, I have no idea either. I know, you know, well, some people are talking about making twenty million credits per hour and stuff like that, um, doing oh, various, yeah. various things, and you know, I'm not making anywhere near that kind of money. But you know, I, I'm still not complaining that I've made fifty million credits over the course of a week. No, I mean, I must admit that that is. I normally make far less than that, unless I've found a little. Uh, um, I'm running peel-in missions, and every now and again, when my funds get too low, I run a couple of peel-in missions, and and before you know it, I'm right back up there again. No. Um, so let's see. What have um, you been up to, Colin? Pardon? What have you been up to, Colin? What have I been up to? Well, I haven't actually done much in game at the moment. I mean, I've been taking part in the bounty hunting CG for the wolves, but um, unfortunately, my efforts in the, the Elite Dangerous World have been mostly taken up with writing this new um, RPG matching website uh, so that people who are playing EDRPG and Elite Encounters should be able to um, advertise for groups in our kind of like RPG dating service. Uh, so that website's in production. And uh, also, of course, the, uh, the writing competition <laughs> I've put my entry in so that most of my time has been taken up um, basically uh, struggling with the English language which a lot of people can uh, just hear my difficulty with <laughs> the English language right at this moment so yes not as much in game as I would like but uh, sorry would, would that be the form of lift, rift and things like that Colin I do not know what you mean Ben please move on So yeah. So yeah, that's that's been me this week. Um and to be honest, for the last week it's been quite quiet until Monday. Would you all agree? Yes. It has been really, really quiet as of recently. It's been too quiet. And then just as too quiet happens, we get three big things coming along at once. So, shall we talk fighters? Who would like to talk fighters? Yeah, well, why not? Let's talk some fighters. Has, has anyone tried one yet? Is the question, I guess. Not a, not a new Taipan, no. I haven't, no. I have a Taipan in my T9, but I haven't tried the new AX1. I have seen it, and it looks quite nice. Well, it looks like a Taipan, really, but it performs very nicely. I must admit, I don't have much experience in the fighters, but I do plan to get more experience, and to see more fighters coming in is quite nice. Well, it's, a, yeah. it's a lot of fun to fly, and a lot of fun to have an NPC fly and accidentally blow the NPC up to see how strong <laughs> the fighter is. You like um, blowing your NPCs up, don't you? Is this part of your experimentation? <laughs> part of it, yeah. Uh. But yeah, the, 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 the Taipan AX, or Anti-Xeno, is it's very good fighter actually. It's um, it's very effective against Thargoids and uh, apparently is disproportionately effective against player ships as well. So it seems to be better than a Condor if you want a multi cannon loadout on your fighter. Oh, that that does sound good. I mean, I have seen people take out um, 
Thargoids solo by uh, basically having a double fighter bay and just constantly launching one fighter after another just to keep the Thargon swarm at, at bay. Are you saying that this, this fighter can uh, can actually take on the ship itself? Yes, it's, it's pretty effective against the hull as well. Um, so if you find yourself running low on missiles in your encounter, then having a fighter along does do damage to the, uh, the hull of the Thargoid as well. Mm. Now we, you, we can't, must... you can't use it really with NPCs to target the harp because the fighter doesn't seem to be able to target subsystems. Mm. Um, we must point out at this point, it's only really been found at Jameson and Shinatra Desra and at uh, one solar prospect. Was that I Solar Prospect? It's I Solar Prospect. Yeah, I Solar Prospect in Barista with the usual 20% markup. So unfortunately, that's that's the only downside at the moment is that it's it's. It's very, very rare. I'm not sure whether that's because the last CG finished at a comparatively low tier or whether or not it was intentional to only have it available in those stations at the moment. Mm. Yeah. I suspect um, it's because of the low tier. You know, I think we'll be coming on to this later, but yeah, I think we might be facing a wee bit of CG burnout or something. Well, also, it's quite difficult to complete that CG, wasn't it? Because you actually had to kill a Thargoid to turn the combat bonds. Yeah, that that was quite... I mean, I'm having difficulty enough just getting a, a biopsy off one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, they awesome. don't like it. No, they don't They don't like it up them. No. Um, oh, where have I heard that before? Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Adds army before anyone gets rude. Anyway, the um, uh, the Thargoids themselves seem to have responded at the same time as this fighter arriving with a new Thargoid. Now, I think everybody's pretty aware that the Basilisk has appeared uh, in the game, and it can be found in non-human signal sources, threat level 6. Uh, it's faster than a Cyclops. It has five hearts. It has a swarm size of double the original Thargoid that we've we've come across. And um, well, the first claim was uh, of a kill was made by the Sovereignty, but apparently it, could, it took twelve of them to do it, and it seemed to wow. behave. I know twelve of them. Uh, we'll we'll include the link to uh, their. Their YouTube streams as they as they attempted to take it down in the show notes, but um, it behaved very differently from other ba uh, basilisks. This particular one, uh, and they they got hammered. They really did. Twelve of them took it on and got hammered. The consensus is that these basilisks are very hard, but a fantastic challenge and a bit fun. I think that's that's the most optimistic of us. I think everyone else is thinking we're doomed. I really enjoy them actually. They're great. <laughs> so you thinking we're dead. But the thing, the thing is, the player base or the players who enjoy PVE in particular have been crying out for challenging content to do with stuff in wings. So having stuff like the Basilisk comes along that is at the moment, with what weapons we have, a challenge, is like manna from heaven. Because it's just it's just great. So you've got the Cyclops which can be soloed okay and then you've got this basilisk which needs upwards of a wing I think it's I think it's a great addition 
<laughs> you might be able to solo a blooming uh, a cyclops by yourself. I can't, and I'm on the I'm in the fertile lands, which is not doing, which I thought would be able to hold its own, but I think I need to get good. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I drive a beluga. Oh, they have killed a uh, cyclops solo in a beluga. Oh no, you're still just not trying it. Still not trying. No, no, I haven't. I haven't. Someone else has. <laughs> so, what's this about um, uh, a listening po- uh, post which was orbiting near Silisto One, which pointed to seventeen eight six two? What was that about? So basically, yeah, there was a, there was a listening post, and it went off and it pointed to. Uh, this place. I'm just trying. I'm trying to find it now. Um, and basically, it was pointing to uh, to HIP seventeen six eight two, and that was one of the places where the first basilisk thargoids were located when we were looking for them, or when you know, we we heard that something bad happened at this listening post. It gives you a nice message, uh, which I'm guessing you've not read, Colin. No, I'm, I okay. have no chance okay. to catch up on this. I'll, I will, yet. I will read that then. So, okay, um, spoiler alert for anybody yeah. who wants to, uh, uh, who wants to go out and have a look yourself. So just cover your ears. Well, it just tells you to go to HIP seventeen six eight six two, which you've already said, Colin. Oh right, okay. So <laughs> um, forget the spoiler alert. <laughs> so basically, it, it's saying this is an emergency broadcast from the Ada registration. 2-9-0 Sirius Corporation My name is Remy Devan, Executive Officer As I dictate this, the ship is under attack from Thargoid vessels They immobilised us before targeting the engines The ship has been crippled and has uh, and has suffered multiple hull breaches I need to now change on to the next photograph So, multiple hull breaches Um... The security feed shows dozens of Thargoid ships, but they're different to the ones we've seen on the news. Be advised that these ships are highly dangerous. Anyone responding to this message should exercise extreme caution. Our immediate priorities are rounding up survivors and stabilising the wounded, but there's been no let-up in the assault. I'm going to... dash dash dash. Transmission interrupted at source. Well, that didn't sound as if it, it, it... Ended yeah, too well, didn't sound it? too well. So that basically said, go off and have a shafty at HIP seventeen eight. Uh, what was it HIP seventeen eight six two? And then when people went there, they they went off and found bad bad scary things. Uh, and obviously mm. now these bad scary things have been found in other locations as well. Ooh. So yeah, I mean, there's been discoveries of this. And I think it's this week where we found another mega ship which has been completely wiped out. Uh, and so things do seem to be. The pressure does seem to be uh, increasing as far as the Thargoid storyline is concerned. But I think we'll come back to that uh, later in the show. Um, the other thing that. Well, the, one of the big things that happened this week was the. Discovery Scanner 1 live stream that uh, Frontier put out Creating a Galaxy with Dr. Anthony Ross. Now, I've watched that, and I must admit at the end of it, I felt incredibly thick. <laughs> yes, I can sympathise with that. I did see that, and it it was really, really well put together. It it didn't feel like a science lesson. It, no. It, it was something that actually kept me encapsulated, which was 
that really was something. Yeah, it really was exceptional, wasn't it? Yeah, the the thing that I found amongst the whole thing was that the amount of detail and the amount of real science which has gone into creating the Stellar Forge was astounding. I mean, obviously, Dr. Anthony Ross is a doctor for a very important reason, and uh, he was a, he was able to show exactly how the science fitted in with the simulation superbly in layman's terms, which was very useful for this particular layman. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Uh, didn't sorry, didn't you think it was like one of those streams or one of those bits of information where you thought, that is really obvious, but I wouldn't have thought about doing it that way. You no. know, you, you just think, goodness me, that's a completely sensible way of doing it, but then it's so clever, you think, well, how on earth did they think of it? Well, and uh, I, I know, I mean, it was, it was one of those bits where as we, as the uh, the show uh, unfurled I was there thinking it just began to dawn on me how much work has gone in to the Stellar Forge and how how much detail that these guys go into in order for us to actually play around in the galaxy it also made me think of the amount of work that's gone in if they want to maintain that for things like planetary landings and they're thinking they've got an awful lot of work to do as well on top of that if they want it, to keep that level of detail yeah it goes a long way to explain why we haven't seen planetary landings yet because you're not going to want to go into from this level of detail and science for the galaxy to go into the more random side of procedural generation like No Man's Sky on the planet because it would just completely be it would work would it the, yeah, the, the mismatch. If, if we kind of went to a, a no man's sky, kind of slam it into the, uh, into the, just to create an atmospheric landing, it would feel so disjointed. I mean, that's, that's probably my personal, uh, opinion on that, uh, unless they, they kind of managed to restrict it to particular landing areas, but I, I think they've, if they're wanting to put in, uh, atmospheric planets to that level of detail there's an awful lot of work there to be done and add gameplay on top of them true true uh, does anybody else want to talk about that nope okay um, did anyone look through the uh, additional questions that and answers that he gave outside the stream I did, and they were great as well. I mean, he, he really put a lot of effort, not only into the, the stream and the presentation, but also answering people's questions in a detailed and satisfying way. So uh, I think a big shout-out to, uh, to, Anthony, to Anthony Ross for the work he put in for that, because it was really appreciated. And I don't think I heard anyone say a negative thing about it. I think everyone was just completely blown away by it. Yeah, I, I think the... Um this was uh, a, a, a basically a, a good live stream that didn't treat its audience stupid, but it didn't. It, it helped expand people's minds on on how difficult this kind of game development is. And I think sometimes looking just looking behind the curtain will give people an appreciation that they probably didn't have when they just said, oh, just put atmospheric landings in. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's so many sciences behind it. It's mind bending. The way it came across, it reminded me of the Christmas lectures. You know, it was pitched. Yeah, it, yeah. It did a very simple. Uh, it put across very complicated subjects in a very simple way, in the in the same manner as the Christmas lectures. And I, I thought that was just yeah, can't couldn't fault it. That's exactly what went through my mind as I was watching it. I got halfway through and I thought, you know what, it feels like I'm actually watching the Christmas lectures for Elite Dangerous. Hmm. Well, I mean, <coughs> all this, all the science stuff that happened at the expo, um, I, I think was was a fascinating bonus. I thought it was it was very nice that they actually. They they, tra- they they treated their audience with a, a, a some respect to say right okay this is going to be um, this is, we're going to make it interesting but you, you we're not going to make it stupid we're not going to condescend to you uh, and I think the the pitch for all all these um, all these well I don't know talks lectures whatever you want to call them um, I think they've been absolutely spot on so. Hopefully, we'll we'll be seeing more under the hood stuff in the future. I mean, next week or this Thursday on the 16th, we've got Sandra Smark coming back, and he will be discussing crime and the crime and punishment proposals that have been put out on the website. Now, can uh, I just say, Ian, this is hopefully that he's coming on. We don't have things are no ETA, no guarantee. You know, you know what (laughs) you know what Frontier are like. Yes, uh, uh, at the moment. Sandra will be discussing these changes and things on Thursday and we've been following the threads and they've exploded as they usually do uh, I mean just just basically just just to touch on this what did you think to the, the new approach where you know you're not allowed to debate with other commanders you've got to have this approach where if you reply to one of these threads it's as if you're talking to the dev, the dev themselves do you think that's helpful? For getting feedback, if I was getting feedback from the process, it's how I would want to do it because you wouldn't want the usual open versus solo discussions for PvP and then you get into combat logging and all the sort of argument we see go round and round and round or mm-hmm. haven't done for the last three years. So I think restricting it to here's my suggestion or here's my thought or here's the issue is exactly the right way of doing it because it's structured and it's easy to do to go through the feedback yeah I mean I must admit when we, they were doing the crime and punishment stuff uh, for 2.4 all about the the, the pilots federation bounties um, that was when we were discussing it with its interaction with power play that did seem to have a different kind of debate different um, at the, it wasn't as nasty if you see what I mean it was actually a, a clear Backwards and forwards of views, and I think if they manage to if they've managed to get this right, I think this is probably going to be a, a good way for to getting feedback in the future. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think too many of these Q and As turned into you know it's like Frontier are saying asking for opinions, and then people say no your opinion's wrong and I'm right and just it delves into name calling and it's just not constructive after one page sometimes of posts uh, mm. and then of course somebody goes off and says well hang on why aren't Frontier working on X instead of 
this thing that of course they're saying that they're working on yeah and so all, the, all basically the, kind of they stuff. take the they take the the Thomas the Tank Engine branch line to Tangent Town so you know mm. <laughs> that's but what we I frequently th- do on this show <laughs> but never. I, th- I think it makes a, bit, a lot of it, sense it's yes, a bit cynical it doesn't really combat the um, the people hijacking a threat to put across their own agenda aspect to it you know so you, what you would what you would get with the argument thread, you quite often see the thread kind of go a certain way with certain posters posting the same thing again and again and again and it, mm. it veers it off course <laughs> with, the, with the suggestions and stuff it's still doing that but at less of a rate yeah so we'll just quickly touch on the newsletter newsletter 200 which uh Let's just say it, it was quite like, I think we've covered on most of the things already. Um, I mean, obviously there is something about the new ship kits that certain commanders are really excited about. I wouldn't say was excited about it, but yeah, I think uh, Sledgehammer and I are both modelling the Cutter ship kit, which I think kind of, you know, I know... Some people feel it's spoiling the already perfect lines of the cu- of the Imperial Cutter. I just think it turns my Cutter into looking like the White Star. And you're not ex- not excited. You bought it within five minutes. Well, of course I did. <laughs> Let's face it, Ben. You have taken your elegant Cutter and crashed it into space halfords. That's what you've done. <laughs> but 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 I I I can I now have spoilers on my spaceship. That's the main reason I get a ship kits. I just want a spoiler on the back of my spaceship. And I mean, these are, these are very, or certainly the one that I'm wearing is a very wavy and elegant. Uh, well, I think it's wavy and elegant. Um, spoiler. You know, there's one which has got like it's it's looking like it's got two things sticking out the front of it, which just makes me think, why the hell are you doing that? Um, whereas you know, I quite I I quite like the one that I'm wearing, but you know that's that's my that's me. It's, it's not everyone. It's, t- it's turned your ship into an anime cartoon ship. Again, that's sounding like a bad thing. Well, I must admit, but although I do actually quite like it, I think that the ship kit for the for the T6 is actually a vast improvement over the flying brick. <laughs> yes. I have I've not because, bought a T6 so I've not got the ship kit for it but yeah. Yeah, I, I must admit it, it does make in some ways it just adds to the T it just takes away the T6's brickness. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually I prefer the T6 one as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mostly because like- basically every time I see a T6 I'm there thinking Vogons. I don't know why. I, I do like to see that there's more ship kits coming in. Mm. It's um, just being able to customise it that little bit more. I mean, I, I know that there are two cutters sitting in front of me, but just to see the very slight variations in the way they're built, I don't know, it just makes it feel a little bit more... I actually basic. think that Sledgehammer and I have got the same ones, haven't we? Oh, no, he's, he's got a slightly different nose, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, slightly he, he's, he's got um how would you describe sort of wings on the nose whereas you haven't. Yeah, mm. my wings are a little bit further back. In all fairness to the cutter thing, it, the the lines of the ship kit 
do match the cutter much better than the Corvette chip kit matches the Corvette. Mm. I must admit, I'm hoping that they bring out something similar for the Clipper because the Clipper is one of my is my favourite Imperial ship. So I'm hoping that they bring something out for that. I think the intention is to do it for all ships. I think eventually. No, it's, it's just well, Frontier can print their own money, can't they? Well, yeah, near enough, as far as that's concerned. Well, yeah, they brought out a ship kit and earned some money off you. That's quick enough, easy enough for them. Okay, um, can someone did someone follow up on the uh, the Black Fleet's fight for independence? I think it might have missed this one. Okay, so I think yeah, go, Sean. Sorry, Ben. You go. No, what I, what I was going to say is that, as far as I've been able to ascertain, um, the Black Fleet took over uh, a system belonging to another faction, which meant that that faction could no longer. This is an NPC faction, not a player faction. Just for the record. Yeah, and so what Frontier have done is they, I believe they introduced a new background simulation state called Exiled and what if you're, if a faction who owns a permit goes into Exile it will spawn a mega ship which will allow you still to get the permit I think I've got that right anyway yeah. Ooh, so that, that means we can, they can spawn mega ships now essentially yeah oh that sounds good didn't I hear though that the Black Fleet could also issue the permits? It would be logical, but I haven't tested that, so... Yeah. I, I've got a feeling that I heard that Black Fleet also were able to issue the permit for the system as well as the exiled um, authorities, shall we say. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it, it's a good idea, and... I mean, I could see this happening in Sirius or in, oh, where the Alliance went off and took over, was it Ross, the prison planet? Yeah. Yeah, uh, which that caused a big hoo-ha. Is that, it, that hoo-ha still happening? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I've not been down in that neck of the woods for a while. Um, so, yeah, that kind of, it's all that kind of thing. But I think it makes a lot of sense. It's good. And if it means that more factions can take over and you know could you imagine if okay it's never ever going to happen because it's not but could you imagine if somebody were able to give a faction give out the soul permit or something like that eventually oh no I think that's on that isn't that just a federal thing that's a superpower thing I think it is just a superpower thing but could you imagine if it could no it should stay as a superpower thing he says, put an end to straight away. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, there was one thing that I did, uh, I, I was a little disappointed about, was that the rescue operations out of the, um, out of the Oracle ended so quickly. Because <laughs> um, it mentions in the, in the, uh, the newsletter that the, all operations were complete. They were complete within the first day. I, th I think that was slight mistake. I think people wanted to rescue a little bit more than uh, than fight because I think they had more chance of surviving but yeah I was a bit I, uh, I was going to go and have a little go with that on that one with Ben and he said he 
was doing it. By the time I'd got there, it was done and gone. So, well, I now have a new life. that wanting to get in on it. I now have a new lifetime supply of NPC slaves and pilots. Thanks for that. <laughs> you just been harvesting them, have you? <laughs> I thought you were feeding them to Thargoids too. Yeah, that's why I got so many. Fair enough. I had to do science on the basilisk yesterday. Well, it seems only fair. Sorry, okay I'm, then. I'm, well, I'm now just sorry. I'm now getting evil, nefarious plans, just like you do. <laughs> no, you're a bad influence, Shan, that's what you are. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll take a, a little bit of a break, and then afterwards we'll come back with the main part of our, our show today, the, a discussion about uh, uh, about the plot progress, I think. So, um... On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon... On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, muckabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wafu, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Have you been missold PPI? Python Protection Insurance was missold if you didn't want it, ask for it, or need it. I was missold Python Protection Insurance and I got a claim worth 3,000 credits. At Cowell & McGrath, we are ready to pursue claims for pilots who were sold PPI, even though they didn't have an escape pod. When my partnership was destroyed, the insurance became invalid. I settled out of court for enough credits to restart my narcotics and weapons shipping business. Millions have been missold Python protection insurance they can never claim, simply because they don't have an escape pod. Why should you pay for not reading the small print? My husband was missold PPI. As a result of our claim, we now own Jupiter. Carolyn McGrath, turning your carelessness into profitable lawsuits. I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold, if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. And we're back. As usual, we've got to give a shout-out to uh, Ignatius G. Riley for the fantastic fish advert. It's still one of my favourites. Um, <laughs> and, of course... Every single time you hear Tom Baker going on about live radio, I think I'm, I'm wondering what parallel universe I've fallen into. So, on to the main discussion for today. There's the pace of 2.4's content and the nature how it's been delivered. 
Um, Sean, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. Um, one of the things I think well, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll start again. I, I think as much as I enjoy the story and the content and everything else like that coming in 2.4 there does seem to be a lack of desperation and uh, in the show notes I've subtitled don't you know there's a war on because it seems like you're dealing with I don't know a riot in some African city that's a thousand miles away and you just got you just don't care so there's there's no beat to the story. It just seems to be very start, stop and intermittent. Um, which I think is a bit sad because I would have wanted it to build to a crescendo to a certain point but it just seems to be you have a, like an episode of action and then four or five filler episodes and then another bit of action and then filler and then whatever. So I think the, the, the cadence if you like of the story is lacking somewhat. Uh, anybody else want to pitch in? Um, it does feel a little bit slow at the moment, but whether that's because they're waiting for us to find something or not, I don't know. The community is usually pretty quick at finding something if it's there. So, but there needs to be stuff to do while you're waiting for people to stumble upon, you know, the the, the trigger, for example. Um, and I, I just kind of get the feeling as though it's a bit directionless, or or maybe there's a a, a beat, you know, a we have this material ready and we have to get this other ready, and then we can release it when it's ready. I don't know. It's it just the timing just seems off to me. If I was re, if I was looking at this as a TV series, I think I would be waiting until the end and binge, binge watching it rather than following it every week because of the pacing. Yeah, so I could quite happily not play it for a um, few weeks. And well, I have been recently. I've been. Oh dear, Ben's just hit the boost button and he's now gone. Oops, that's the wrong button. Yeah, <laughs> I, at least I'm not shooting anyone this time. This is true. <laughs> just collecting fines. <laughs> Better find than be shot. Hmm. Yes. Well, if you want to put the narrative close to, um, I don't know, uh, to science fiction or or even past past history, this feels to me like pretty much the phony war, Um, um, where you know there's there's stuff going on. It's far away. People aren't bothered. And to be honest, with two point four, we've got another what five. Four and a half months before they even consider releasing 2.5's beta, so this content has got to stretch six months. And are they doing that by basically not reducing any content, or at least being very tight with how they release it? Um, and well, I think I think it's fair to say we all had. Well, I had quite high hopes with what ways we could go ahead and review uh, and release the content and the way that we could say, well, okay, we're going to do this, then we're going to do that, and but th- there's no there's no fear. Yeah, you know, I I was so 
desperately hoping that when 2.4 dropped, I'd be coming into game and I'd see swarms of Thargoids, if not blasting the living shit, we're after 9 o'clock now, aren't we? Yes, we are. Blasting the living shit out of Lave Station, then at least nuking Obsidian Orbital or somewhere out in the sticks. Well, they have been they have been slowly building up and putting pieces into place. I mean, we've now got what twenty new stations in the Pleiades. You don't want new stations. You want stations on fire and kill them. And I want Thargoids attacking. And I want to I want to feel the fear. And it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm going up and I'm getting I'm getting a fuck sorry language. Um, I'm getting a selfie with this bloody Thargoid. It is interesting because I, I was there was a post on the forum uh, suggesting that maybe Frontier should get a uh, a, a DM to oversee the content and yeah. kind of run it as an RPG. And my initial thought was, oh, that'd be quite good. But then you realise it's actually an online game where players are at different stages and have different amount of free time, and you wouldn't want players to miss content simply because they didn't have a super duper ship or billions of credits in the bank or whatever rank of an engineer you need to give the players who haven't got a lot of time or who haven't got certain things time to be able to do what they need to do and that may be one of the reasons why we're thinking it's comparatively slow is because you know we are a certain way along in game progression or ability or hit or whatever mm. and we just have to have to wait for other people to catch up before we can then move on to the next bit. Um, but then there's always going to be new people coming into the game. So I know someone who's only been playing a few months. They only own a Cobra and a Dolphin, and they're definitely not ready to go and play with Argoids just yet. So, which is another reason why I think I I, I don't think we'll see a mass incursion into the bubble and stuff because can you imagine new player comes along launches out of uh, Erevate Thargoid Basilisk outside just takes them out straight away they're, they're going to be put off playing the game so. yeah but the Thargoid doesn't yeah, have to go I mean, and attack them a friend of, another friend of mine got put off playing the game because he had a seriously hard time docking the ship so I mean, yeah, that's easy enough to overcome by saying, yeah, well, fair enough, all new pilots have a docking computer, but that's not the way it works, and he's not played the game in a couple of years. <laughs> he's not seen Horizons, he's not landed on a planet. He's if not... my son can land, he's got no excuse. Yeah, so it's a balance, and my gut feel is I think the balance is towards the too slow aspect but then you have to realise that not everyone can play several hours a day and yeah well I mean that's one thing that I didn't like about some of the CGs where you you either um, you picked out you did Thargoid biopsies or you could do um, uh, rescues so you didn't have to take on a Thargoid so that meant that lower tiered ships you know ones that basically were fast could actually take part and not, you know, 
and then be involved in in Thargoid events, but without actually having to fight them. So that you know, someone in in some relatively small ship, such as a uh, an Imperial courier, could still um, dart around with some really fast engines and 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 pick pick people up and rescue them. Um, I mean, do you feel that it's all about shooting them, or is that do you feel that there needs to be a different kind of interaction? I want well, there to be a different sort of interaction. From yeah, the even I would like there to be that, different interactions. Ben, what's that? You know, remember at the beginning, before 2.4, Frontier were actually saying there are alternative and different interactions you can do with the Thargoid. And yes, okay, fine, we can. We don't have to shoot them. We can go and drop, say, some onion head or some slaves, and they do do things. But it seems to be to know... Yes. No reward. You, not 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 even a reward. There's just no. Okay, fine. I go off and drop a some meta allies and, or something, and the Thargoid gobbles it up. That's nice, but. But it, it why would I even feel like there's a reaction? To yeah, it. it's like okay, the Thargoid's gobbling up the the meta alloy. Now. But it would have done that if the meta alloy was there anyway. So. Yeah, and it's just like so. What's the why am I doing this? You know, where is the? We were promised. Well, we were. Yeah, I'm going to say we were promised. It sounded, you know, it sounded to me like we were promised alternative ways of interacting with the Thargoids than just shooting them. And you know, frankly, it's like, okay, well, you can go and drop your slaves or your meta allies and things like that, and the Thargoids will collect it. You can go and drop some mugs and they'll ignore them, or you can go and drop some ancient relics and they'll they'll get a bit cheesed off and shoot you. But that's not really learning about the Thargoids and what motivates them and getting to know them. It's just... There are some people that would put across the argument that there are the research limits, but again, mm-hmm. there's not really much avail to that. You no. go and shoot a research limpet, them is the equivalent of shooting them, and they get pissy and shoot you back. <laughs> I've yet to manage to recover a limpet. Yeah, I, I like that mechanic. I have to admit, it's, it's a good mechanic, but it's again, it raises the question of why. You know, there's no real benefit of it or something like that. So, so would you want to hear chomping noises as a <laughs> scooped up an escape pod or something? <laughs> yeah, a nice crunch, chomp, chomp, chomp. Crunch, and s- crunch, squish, <laughs> scream. That, that, that sounds reasonable, but you know, I mean, I want. I want there to be a way of opening a potential dialogue with them, and I want us to learn how to to do this dialogue in a scientific method. But that's a lot harder and time-consuming to program than combat mechanics. That's not my problem. I completely agree, but I think one of the um, reasons why it is combat-focused is because it's easier to yes. balance and create a combat scenario than it is to code everything with the first contact and have meaningful interaction with an alien species and all this kind of good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree there, but you know, I just felt like we were told we were going to get this... these ways of interacting with them, and... It doesn't feel like that's been delivered yet. Now it could be there's more stuff coming up later. We don't know. Well, here's I, a thought. I, oh, right, well. 
Mm. Is a thought, what if the game stores how you related to Thargoids in your commander file? <laughs> I have thought about allows that. allows them to use it later. Yes, that's. I have thought about that, and it's a bit scary if that's the case. I mean, one thing that I, I do feel that we've got to point out is right at this moment in time, um, every interaction that we've had so far is that the Thargoids have been attacking us, but not us directly. It's been attacking the NPCs. And at the moment, I know it feels like we're the aggressors in this one, but actually we're not. Are you sure? Well, because I think it's a grey area, personally. Particularly if you look at what what happened with the Inra stuff. Ah, right. Yeah, because I was actually going to come back to that, the Inra stuff. Because... there hasn't been anything new, any new base discovered as far as the plot of Inra is concerned. I mean, we've had this thing about this massive mothership, which has got everybody excited. And now that I've actually been to, to base 8 and, and looked through the messages, I am as well, because that means that they've got a capital ship-sized Thargoid out there, at least. But I think we're going to be a long way off before we get these extra interactions with the Thargoids at this moment in time I think the Thargoids are on a war footing and at the moment there's nothing we can do about that until certain discoveries are made later on down the plot line although if you look at the targets they've been hitting they are what I would call military targets what a science megaship and a prison vessel yeah, the science megaship definitely would count as a, a research institute. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, but not the prison vessel, surely not. It depends who it's prison for, and it you depends know, if, if it was a military prison ship. Did they have soldiers on board? Yeah. If you want, Colin, I could go and play the audio adverts or the audio files from that um, inner base, the Armada landing stuff. I've got, I can. I can get that up in about two seconds. Um, well, yeah, if you want to, um, just let me uh, let me know when you're ready. Okay, uh, I, I am but, ready. Um, well, okay, we'll listen to the in the base eight um, logs. If you guys haven't heard this before, again, spoiler warning in effect. <laughs> so, okay. Ben. Okay. Hopefully, people will hear it. Just if you can't, shout out very quickly. engineer whatever I can. Weapons, shields, power management. Anything I can figure out. It's, it's like giving a rocket to a Neanderthal and expecting them to fix it. I mean, where do I even start? At least they're paying me well. That's something. I haven't slept for days. I always did find it hard to switch off. You know, even when I wasn't trying to reverse engineer an alien starship. I've made a small amount of progress, but it's always two steps forward, three steps back. The guys in charge are getting impatient, but what did they expect? It's not like this thing came with a manual. I finally 
finally made some progress with the drive technology. Which is just as well, since I was running out of options. Thargoid drive tech differs radically from our own. Rather than shift space around the ship, it appears to create this stable wormhole for the ship to travel through. It sounds crazy, but the maths don't lie. And if my calculations are right, I might even be able to replicate it. I want to get a prototype up and running as soon as possible. Something tells me the bigwigs are about to step in. I've seen this all before. You get hired by a big company, and once you've gone and done the hard work, they swoop in and take all the glory. Well, I'm not going to let that happen. I want to be credited with creating the first hybrid drive. I, I must admit, I, I was there thinking there was going to be a word Tron used in that. They've retained me as a consultant, whatever that means. But they're basically ignoring everything I say. They've made some modifications to my prototype, but it was a bit of a rush job. Must be in a hell of a hurry to get to the test flight stage. I told them it was too soon, that we needed more tests. But once again, I got stonewalled. Granted, the wormhole is stable. But we have no idea what will happen when you send a human being through it. So, they decided to push ahead with the death flight despite my warnings. Some hotshot young pilot full of spit and vinegar as my old man would say. And not a single brain cell between his ears. The wormhole was stable, but that was never a concern. The question is what will happen to the pilot? That was the wrong ones. That's the one about the drive technology, leading into the the subtle hint that the Inra have gone off and developed a top a, a secret weapon. I've got hopefully the right ones now lined up. If we want to go and play them, Colin. Yes, go on. We'll, okay. And then why not? And then we'll yep. move back to the main discussion. Everything is in place. If 
very well for them did it <laughs> not so much but you know that raises the question that they're saying uh, in that last log they're saying it's huge am mm. I right in thinking the basilisks aren't exactly they're the same size aren't they yeah they're, well they're, I think the basilisks themselves I mean they're a bit bigger than, than the cyclops aren't they but is it not. is it is it bigger or is it the same size? I thought it was just this, a cyclops foot red. The other factor to bear in mind was this was a couple hundred years ago. It's true and too. the and the scout that was found crashed is noticeably smaller than the flower ships we get today. So could the mothership they were talking about be something flower ship sized as opposed to something bigger? No, I think it's something bigger. Um I mean, but if you go back to the old 84 game, the scout ship was what we were dealing with, really, when you think about it, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. That, that's, that's what's been implied so far. So if, you, if you're if you an old 84er like me, um, the, the scout ship is the Thargoids that you dealt with in the original Elite game. However, this lot are now referring to something much, much larger. And I, I, I know that the, the Cyclops is slightly bigger, well, about double the size, but they're on about this thing being absolutely huge. I'm, I'm thinking capital ship size. You know, something bigger than the Farragut. I'm sorry, I'm now, I'm now picturing something something Thargoid manufactured, but maybe the size of a Coriolis. Ben's Good thinking wall on planet killer, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> that it, is a scary thought. 
Mm. Either that I mean, or the, GSV. There, is the, there has been the question about, are the Thargoids hard enough? Um, I mean, personally, I think this is this little... This, I mean, Ben, do you remember playing XCOM Interceptor? Which one? No, XCOM Interceptor. Oh, okay, yes, yes. The, That's part of Retro Lake, Oh, God, right? yes. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Well, in all XCOM games, there is this part where, um, effectively, the computer ups the ante. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the mutons all become super mutons and, and so on and so forth, and they've got better weapons than you. Do you think we've just come across that moment now with the basilisk? Maybe. Somebody's just gone off and made a good point, though, that, you know, the wreckage sites where, that we've got the... The, the map room in that we drive into, Colin. Oh, yes, yes. The Imagine ones that we, we yeah. thought we started the war with. Yes, go that's on. That's the ones. Imagine if that's the birth of a mothership. Quite, um, quite true. <laughs> yeah, Because, that... yeah, if right you think size, about it, it, those things were 50, what, the visible from space. Yep. They're about, <laughs> from, what, four or uh, five kilometers across? Up. I believe... I believe Cannon have nicknamed those bases uh, Leviathan, I believe is what they've called them. Okay, well, seems reasonable to me. It's, it's uh, so to answer off. your question, I don't think we have. I mean, I yes, I'm seeing here sort of soloing Thargoids and mm-hmm. whatever, so I may be a bit, a bit biased. But <laughs> even the ba- even the basilisk isn't something that would strike the amount of terror and fear to last hundreds of years. And if you look at the the books and the fiction and stuff around Thargoids, it's still not at that threat level. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, but then again, I mean, you know, f- from the Elite 84 stuff, as Colin was saying, as far as we know, all we had was what we, you know, what we'll call the Thargoid scout vessel, unless there was something that has happened in the law that we're not aware of yet and so let's be honest the, the, the chances are it has because the mm-hmm. the one thing I do like about these inner bases is is it's, it was very much similar to the oh here we go former dying rift <laughs> well done Colin <laughs> for in discovering the bases and un and uncovering the plot I mean it was a bit of a slow drip feed and I think that drip feed's kind of dried up a bit mm-hmm. but I, I think it, it is the right way to go I just wish we could I don't know find more of these bases to fill in the blanks because it it does feel at the moment well the Thargoids are acting like the bad guys we're defending ourselves but there's nothing convinced. else we can do until we get more information. Yeah, I, I'm still not convinced that the Thargoids are that we're seeing at the moment are the active bad guys. No, well, yeah. I, I'm, it's been hinted, hasn't it? It's been hinted that there are two yeah. factions, but we haven't actually seen this other faction or anything different in the game so far. And, yeah. Okay. Bas- yes. It's the basilisk when the, when we first saw the um, what we were assuming as the basilisks turn up at the expo, we thought those are the other thargoids, those are the other ones which are going to be scary. But from what we've seen so far, these basilisk um, 
are just behaving just like I don't know Thargoids plus one. And, and I think this is this is where it ties in with the story cadence is we're not watching a TV show. I mean, the, the Basilisk isn't the Night King, for example. Yeah. You know, it's not the big bad. So uh, we have to remember this is a game and people aren't going to want to have a huge ship that's completely indestructible and can't ever be taken down by players. Just come up everything and the equivalent of God mode, everything. <laughs> that doesn't make a particularly fun encounter for the players. So there's a balance, isn't there, between having something that's difficult but doable and having something that's so obviously OP and indestructible, there's just no point. Now, some people might say, oh, I want, I want the big ship to turn up and so the only thing to do can run. That's great, but there's part of you that wants to take that on and at least scare it away. Yes, I completely so agree. We, we go and kill one heart and it runs off or something? Sort of, yes. Well, that, that's exactly like um, killing the heat sinks, isn't it? Well, yeah. But, you know, that's, that's a mechanic we could... I think we could accept, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Which just sort of asks sort of the question I might... Would it be possible to herd it somewhere? So by making it jump, could you, like, attack it in different systems and herd the system towards... <laughs> another station. Could, could we go and drag the Thargoid to Sol or something like that, say? Oh, no, that, 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 to get in there, though. <laughs> I don't know if Thargoid ships care about the permits. Yeah, you know, they're not controlled by the Pilots Federation, who go off and say, "No, you're not allowed there unless you've got the permit." Well, the Thargoids yeah. are well known for being very law-abiding, didn't you know? Are they? Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were just sort of you know, partial to the odd, odd human burger or something, or at least slave burger. So, I mean, so, Shan, have you actually managed to take down one of these basilisks by yourself yet? No, I don't think it's actually possible with the weapons we have to take one down at the moment. The, the amount of damage and the aggressiveness and the patterns of the swarm um, are particularly difficult to tank or even deal with with even a couple of ships. So is so, this where... So you would recommend that this is at least one wing in order to take one of these out? I, I would say at least one wing of heavily engineered big ships, I think, would be what would be needed. Right. So... Again, does this feel like it's a barrier to to um, less experienced players, players who cannot put the time in, if you see what I mean? But they can always wing up and go against Cyclops, or they can... So you don't have to be able to kill everything. It's like in, in other MMOs where you have raid bosses. No one expects to be able to solo a raid boss. So if you think of Basilisk um, as a raid boss, then... You need a group of people to take down a raid boss. You wouldn't dream about being able to solo it. Mm. I, I remember soloing Molten Core when I was like level eighty or something like that. But obviously, by that time, you're seriously and utterly overpowered compared to what you were like at level forty. Yeah, but we don't have levels in this game. We don't have levels in this game, but we do have. 
shall we say, com um, you know, a power level that is that can be calculated from your ship stats. You know, mm. I think it is fair to say that a a well flown sidewinder is obviously a lot. It can do a, do a lot less damage than a well flown uh, cutter, obviously. Yes, so, you I know, mean, it, it's, it's, that goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, it's not a level, but it's still you've got much better gear, you've got much more tools in your inventory to deal with the issues. So you know, a, a cutter. Yeah, you know, I don't. You know, you're not really thinking about anything, even taking on, say, a third lance or something like that. Whereas a sidewinder might be looking at a third lance and saying, "I ain't sure I can deal with this." Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, thankfully, and this is one of the things I love about Elite, is that a well-played sidewinder quite probably can go off and take down a third lance and things like that. Um, I mean, there's another story that I think we'll be coming to later about somebody who was mental in a sidewinder, but we'll cover that later. But, <laughs> you know, they they are a very capable little ship. Um, they are. They so are. Um, yeah, with what's coming up later, they are. Yeah. So there is there's definitely stuff that you can do, <coughs> and you'll okay, fine. You can't go and kill the kill the basilisk, but you could go and at least tickle, tickle the the first thargoid that we found. Um, or you can go and get, as you were saying, you can go and, oh, go and do a scan of it, or try if you've got a fast ship, to go and take a, a sample out of it. You know, you don't have to try and shoot it. I mean, I've, I've very, I've deliberately not gone off and antagonised the Thargoid apart from shooting granted one. One of the things that I piqued my interest at the Frontier Expo was. They were talking about uh, the narrative quite a lot in mm-hmm. the content for um, Beyond. They were yes. talking about how the narrative would be evolving and we haven't seen the last of Guardians and all that sort of stuff. And I was excited by it, but I was also a little bit concerned by it because, this is in, in purely my, my view, the method of content delivery, I think, in Elite could be improved. And I'm not sure... Gownet Audio is the complete way to do it. You know, I think there needs to be a different content delivery method for this narrative to become more compelling. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just touching on on that, I mean, the the way that CGs have been used to um, to create the equipment. Does anybody feel like it's it's kind of missing something? It's feeling a little disjointed at the moment. I agree it, with it, using it, CG. Go, Sean. No, I'll say it's, miss, it's missing a failure state. Go on. Well, at, at the moment, these as soon as a CG hits tier one, it's deemed to have succeeded. So pretty much every CG we've had since at least a couple of years ago has, in some shape or form, succeeded. So it doesn't become a 
a consequence, it becomes a time gate. You, you have to wait for the CG to complete before you get the next snippet or stuff to happen. So mm. any kind of degree of suspense or involvement goes because all you have to do is wait a week and you'll find out what happens next. Yeah. I mean, this goes because of the, the lack of failure state. Is, is this the issue that the fact that you feel there aren't any negative consequences so far for instance yeah. you know because because we didn't reach a certain level of CG um, that means the Thargoids have an ad- advantage to start knocking out stations as they come close as as they, they start moving well, I think we're seeing the perhaps. problem with maybe not doing the right level of CG and not dedicating us a, a time enough in how limited the Taipan is, but it's not a failure state, it's just a pain in the arse. You know, it's not, you haven't got a Taipan, it's just, well, the Taipan's only available at a couple of locations, so tough. You know, it should be, hey, yeah, you're, you're getting a Taipan, but you're not going to get it for six months. Oh, sorry, you're dead now? That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, because I think I mentioned it on the first show I was on, I think, how I, how I wanted the introduction of the um, Aegis weapons to be a choice. So the, the, the blurb goes, we only have enough time and material to do one of these. Whichever one gets the most materials is what will be built straight away. And the other one was going to have to wait until we get the materials. So, for example, the first one, you'd have to have a choice between scanner and missiles. Um, so not having missiles would mean you couldn't actually damage the Thargoids, but you'd have a better idea how they worked. Or missiles would mean you could still damage the Thargoid, but when they changed, you wouldn't know about the heart mechanic because you couldn't scan it. Those sort of consequences would make it at least interesting. Well, this actually goes back, surprisingly enough, to XCOM Interceptor again. It's kind of... You kind of feel in this in this case we're pretty much the pilots in XCOM Interceptor, but we've got no idea of the whole strategic view. We don't have a choice of what we're researching, or, or basically what weapons we can use. Is is this, is this the kind of thing that you feel is missing? That kind of feeling that okay, this is the way the community's gone with this. This is the consequence because we chose this particular weapon over this particular scanner. Yes, well, I was thinking from a purely historical war point of view is there isn't a, there aren't many times in a war where you can do everything you want to do when you want to do it. So only having the resources and time to be able to do one of these things is a perfectly legitimate thing to need to happen if you are in a conflict. And it just makes it more engaging because you'll have player groups, you'll have players going, oh, crumbs, I want missiles. And then you've got people, no, I want scanners. And you'd have to balance between what you thought was the right one to pledge your support. So it brings a whole new level of gameplay and cooperation rather than just, oh, I'm right, I'll do both. Hmm. Yes. I, I can, I can see where you're going with that. I mean, it does, it does feel like uh, we don't have as much control over the way that the narrative is going as we thought. Have we had competing CGs where it's one or t'other? I can't remember. No, we haven't. We... It's just been complete the CG, get the, yeah. get the new shiny. No, but ca- can can the game give us 
Okay. Oh, yes. This, okay. Yes. So they, they, they used that quite a lot in the Pleiades conflict between the Empire and the Federation. Okay, whoever cool. filled the bucket first. Okay, so we could do so. Whoever fills the bucket first gets either, um, you know, gets gets either a scanner or missiles or whatever it is. Yeah, just so using we, we that for an example. That. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yes, they should totally be the same thing. So, you know, whoever fills the bucket with component X, but then they both have to be getting component X rather than, well, this one means going off and doing bounty hunting, and this one means getting component X. Because that just wouldn't mm -hmm. be fair. Yeah, it's got to be obviously the same stuff. What other ways, though, do you think we could use for telling the story apart from community goals, which at least they do have the benefit of you've got a week to try it out unless it finishes in a couple of days? Well, this is this is the thing where I go back to... Um, well, Shan touched on it earlier, but um, I, I do go back to the, the, the experience that I had with uh, the Matrix Online, where we had um, devs and people acting as GMs for for a shift period, so you know that everybody around the world there was an event happening for I don't know um, 24 hours straight, uh, where people um, devs would actually take it in shifts to run through the same kind of content, and things like that could be used. I mean, I know it's a one-off and it's not repeatable, but it, it's still uh, an interesting way to try and move the plot forward. Yeah, I mean, I, there was uh, Guild Wars One tried something very. Uh, sorry, Guild Wars Two tried something very similar three, four years ago now, where they had what they called uh, the Living Story, and every two weeks there would be a game story update mm -hmm. that moved a particular story along, and if you missed it, you missed it. Tough. It would never be repeated again. You know, you're out of luck if you were too if you went on holiday for two weeks. And it was it was interesting. However, people got burned out by the the amount of content being churned out. But also there was a resentment that grew between the players and Arena Net because of this blinking you've missed it kind mm -hmm. of approach. Mm -hmm. Because there were there were players who hadn't got to a certain area, there were players who were doing other stuff who like miss these one-off events and ultimately I think although it was interesting as an experiment it's also interesting that, that, that subsequent chapters of Living Story have all been repeatable and haven't gone back to this one-off mechanic mm -hmm. yeah I must admit I mean, we had the same issue with the Matrix Online but they actually found a way to, to put in that content in some kind of like archive missions or something like that so that if someone did miss the content they'd, they'd manage to actually save the majority of the gameplay and put it into a way that other people could access it at a later point well, I uh, suppose it's the, ma the Matrix so you could go and put it into a training scenario or something like that can't you exactly Yeah. and, and, and effectively um, people were able just to be able to to replay what they had missed, but they didn't have an effect on the uh, on the outcome of the actual live event itself, obviously. Interesting. One of the things that Guild Wars did also do, and I think it would maybe be applicable to Elite, I'm not sure if they could do it with right now, but it would be a potential way to go forward, would be, for example, in Guild Wars, you'd be exploring the 
the world, you'd be looking up a hill and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you would see something going on, just like a battle or a siege or whatever, and you think, oh, I like the look of that, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to go and help out whichever side I like to look at, and you would just wade in and mm-hmm. get stuck in because you saw it happening in-game. You didn't have to enter a conflict zone or click on a quest or anything like that. It was just going on. And if we talk about content delivery in, in Elite, uh, something like that where you jump into a system and all of a sudden all hell is breaking loose and you have a choice, do you get out of Dodge or do you join in and try and defend or rescue or whatever, is quite a compelling thing to do. And if you have these events that move, if it, with a front line, for example, or with certain background states, I think it becomes a much more dynamic and compelling way to work content than just jumping into a CG or a conflict zone or, or whatnot. Yeah. Would giving us our own unique story missions be a potential way? So... When you when you get in game, you get a message saying, "Hey, Commander X, could you please go to this location and go and find this out?" And it's a much more it's a much more storied chain to tell a story, but it's more of it's also more of a traditional MMO story quest line as well, in that we're all essentially doing the same thing. <laughs> Uh, but the but potentially the locations and the things like that could still be dynamic, but it's it's you know it's like the, it, it could maybe start be out. Elite then, though, would it? Well, no, it wouldn't. It, would, it, wouldn't it? You know, if it's if you got a message mission saying, "Dear Commander, we need you to try to find this for us. Have a look here," and obviously all those variables would be dynamic. But then that's putting you out finding information about the Thargoids. So we're not all going to the same location. We're not all off to Darren Mill. Um, and then once you hand that in, then you, you've done the first part of the find information about the Thargoid. Now we need you to go and maybe locate a Thargoid heart, which has been deposited on a planet somewhere. And that would that could potentially be a bit like one of the planetary scan missions or something like that. Where you, mm-hmm. you zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, and again, all of that's totally dynamic, and so on and so on and so on, eventually leading you up to, dear Commander Edelweiss, we need you to go and take a, a biological survey off this, Cyclops. Yeah, the, the thing um, is. Remember that we we had a massive discussion with Alan. And we, this is one of the did, things yes. that Alan would probably be quite good with, is, uh, about the difference between quest mechanics and journeyman mechanics, yep. as far as elite's concerned. Now, elite, as we know, is a sandbox, and yep. it basically relies for it, its thrills, if you like, as journeyman mechanics. So basically, it's all about your story, your journey. But what you're describing there, Ben, is quest mechanics, which kind of takes things away. It does, but quest mechanics might be better than than sort of sandbox mechanics for actually telling a story. Well, mm, I mean, but, this... then, but then everyone's hand solo, aren't they? Everyone's, yeah, everyone's no, we're, we're, we're or not, whoever. You know, none of us I'm... are turning into "I'm the first person who did that." It's not. 
we're not the hero, but we can still be a commander who went off and looked and got found out information about this thing. Well, I'm, I'm a, I hate to say this, but I don't see that happening because I, I take you, I'll take you back to one of the interviews we had with David Braben, where he yeah. sort of said one of the things that we don't do, we're not wanting to do, is give people these kind of quests to rescue the princess, because basically everybody will then rescue the princess, and the value of princesses goes right down the, the plug hole. And well, I can understand life. where he's he's coming from from that, but I think. Putting in this kind of plot without, I don't know, some kind of GM oversight, I, I, I think it's very, very challenging to do. Could this be know, what? I'm, sorry, I was about to say, could this be what the journal mechanic is? I talked about at Frontier Expo. Would that not be like you set your own goals, but your journey is recorded in the the journal? So it then becomes a challenge to complete as much of the journal as you can. And there, and therefore, by doing that, you start to unravel the story. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I do like the way that we're, we're discovering the, the plot in the background using the inner bases. It's just it's, it feels like a shame that it, it's, that seems to have dried up at the moment. I quite like that. But, um, well... But it's I guess we'll still, just have to wait and see in the next couple of It's still showing us the story and not letting us live the story. Yeah, I mean, okay, so think about... Okay, I'm going back to the prequels here and, uh, and Star Wars and I feel dirty for mentioning it. But Yes, you should. You know, nobody cares that Obi-Wan and, and Qui-Gon Jinn went off and did this thing that they're talking about in a lift. Who cares about it? They're just telling us, we all often did this thing in a lift. And that's the same as reading a Galnet article. Whereas watching and being with Obi-Wan fighting Darth Maul was probably about the only decent scene in that film. Right, I'm not sure where you're going with so, this, but I'm, I'm, Okay, so... If you live a story, it's a lot more exciting and relevant to you than just being told about it and reading it in the newspaper yeah well you see this is the thing um, there's an awful lot I mean I don't mean to be picky here but there it does seem to be a, a whole band of people who go out and do these things first whether it's canon whether it's the sovereignty whether it's the SDC they go off and do it first then boast about it and then everybody else just turns around and says oh it's been done now I, can't, I won't be bothered in and then, I'll watch it on YouTube. Yeah, I'll just watch it on YouTube. When the experience that I've discovered is that, yes, I watch it on YouTube, but that's not as much fun as doing it myself. Just because someone... Come down to sort of oh, yeah. gaming you are, though. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you completely there, Colin. So, like, I've seen the Thargoid encounters on YouTube, and, yeah, all the atmosphere is there. But you're watching somebody else's experience. There is no danger to you. Whereas, what was it, a couple of, a few weeks ago, I was streaming out sort of halfway between here and Jack's, and I was out there and got hyper-addicted by a Thargoid, and being miles away from nowhere, it's a hell of a, 
hell of more intense experience, especially considering I'm only a couple of jumps away from where I'm getting to. And my frameshift drive isn't healthy. <laughs> yes, it, it is kind of a, a, a... But that's the thing about the difference between quest mechanics and journey mechanics. Because that happened to you, that was on your journey. And basically, you'll be talking about that for ages. Because that happened to you, it's a personal thing. But then, if everybody goes through this quest where the Thargoid jumps in, it happens to everybody, and it kind of devalues the experience. I found the experience being devalued purely by watching it on YouTube. Purely by watching it on YouTube. Do you think there needs to be an event that everyone remembers, you know, like the equivalent of, of a Dunkirk or a Pearl Harbor? Or a Salome? Do, do you remember when... Um, that kind of unifies and gets the players re-engaged with the story? Or do you oh, think it's too late for that now? I, I don't think it's ever too late for those kind of events. Those kind of events are... If, if they can be organised properly, and fair play to Drew and company, they certainly they did their best, and it certainly got the, the community engaged. Um, although the abuse that happened afterwards was, I think, vastly vastly disproportionate uh, towards them um, than the fun that people got out of it um, but as long as you know people can enjoy the event without the drama then I think yes we, those kind of events or something like that would be enough to invigorate things or, or get people to take notice And I think on that little note, if no one else has got anything to say, we'll, we'll move on to Community Corner. So, um, just quickly, we have a, a collection of very useful infographics. Has anybody actually uh, seen these these brand new infographics? They've, they've been done by John Potts, who's com compiled them all together on Imager. Yeah. Yes, I've seen these, and I consider these to be basically the Bible of Elite Dangerous. So what we'll do is we'll put a link of this into the show notes. Um, any, to be honest, I've, I've had a look through a lot of them, and there's there's actually stuff in there that even after three years of playing this game, I didn't know. So <laughs> it, it's a very little, it's a very useful resource, I, especially I, if you're beginning. Yeah, I couldn't. Even as someone who's played it for over a year, I've been, I was looking through it and I thought, so that's what that means. Mm -hmm. I actually plan to print it off in colour and keep it in a book so that if people decide to um, ask me about it, I can say, well, there you go. Here is basically the Elite Dangerous Bible. You can play the game after reading this. The only thing you need, really, after reading that is the controls. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll put the, that uh, list in in the show notes for, for everybody to go, oh, that's what that means. Now, uh, another thing that has been happening um, is that um, Ghost Giraffe, him who, who came up with the fantastic laser cops, uh, as part of the uh, the video competition, there is now a new Laser Co Cops episode called Crime City. <laughs> Has anybody else seen this? 
I have and it's awesome. <laughs> and they are the they're these the same level of professionalism they always have been. And Ghost Shaft's also done he does some great scientific streams and this is just but this is obviously not scientific and it's just funny as hell and it's brilliant and it's, I loved it. It was it's really well put together and things. Do you, do you ever get the feeling that we're following the cops from the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> yeah. No, although they didn't get. Oh, I, did you see some of the shots actually that they were doing? There was a lovely, almost like an ET like shot going over the moon, or going across in front of the moon. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I bow down to their ability to They're... use the debug. The debug camera suite is phenomenal, isn't it? Not only that, but I mean, doing some of the driving that they were doing to get the shots as well is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I I just really enjoyed talking about it, and it was, talking about it, watching it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so so Ghost Giraffe and so the Sparks and Mars, we salute you. <laughs> Indeed, slash it's, salute. Yes. So Toxic, you have found a new app on the Google Play Store, haven't you? I have, yes. Um, I was getting quite bored of the one of the Galnet apps I was using um, to read the news while I'm not in Elite Dangerous. So a friend of mine actually took my phone from me and said, um, okay, try this one. Installed this new Galnet News from the Frontier application and it's got actually a bit more information in it than I thought it would have. So it does have the Galnet News and it doesn't automatically go halfway down the list once I've read one of the articles, which is quite nice. You've got all the power play factions, as well as their rewards and ratings, what you can get from them, what you can do with them. You've got engineers, blueprints, components, various bits of information, and it's, some of it is quite detailed. I have noticed there are a couple of bits of information missing, but right. it's, it's mostly there. It's really um, it's accurate. It's quick. It's on the phone. I can do it on the fly. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've used, I've had a Galnet app on mine, but it it doesn't go anywhere into the same level of detail as this one does. So, no, this is this is so the previous application I had was purely the Galnet reader, and it couldn't even get the date right. It was um, 2017 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Too many years ago, 3303, as far as I'm aware, 3302, something like that. So yeah, to just see the right dates and to see that it's a bit more up to date. It's got engineering bits and pieces in it as well. I can go and look up the upgrades I'm looking for without having to go and find the engineers in game and look on Inara that's something else that quite annoyed me as well is having to keep a web browser open for Inara whereas now mm-hmm. it's an app on the phone so yeah but we, we sad little just... things quality of life <laughs> yeah I mean I still I still think Inara is a fantastic resource anyway but uh, you know the fact that this is now available on uh, on an Android app is actually it's a godsend I think especially when you're flying with a second screen if you see what I mean yeah um, something else is you can store the articles offline read them oh. even when you're not on 
your 3G, 4G, Wi-Fi, however you connect to the interwebs. Excellent. It, right, it, so it also counts the articles. There's something like 1,500 articles on my phone at the minute I've got to read. Oh, Jesus, then you're going to have a long time reading Yeah, that. yeah, oh, some uh, oh, porcelain oh, bricks are needed. Yeah, almost as much as Dale, really. He's got a lot to read, too, apparently. So um, we're, we're going to have to give, a, a, as part of the community things, uh, we're going to have to give a congratulations to a commander, Peter Perfect, or D8VEH on the forums, for being mental enough to get triple elite in just a sidewinder. Uh, he claims 432 hours from start, so that's not too, not a big deal. Wasn't too focused on it. Stopped to two engineers for a bit and wanted Imperial rank for one of them. Found a good spot and carried on to King in a sidewinder. And a, how do you do grief abating PvP in a in a sidewinder? You shoot at them. You shoot at them and then run away. But it's a sidewinder. That but it's a sidewinder. Sidewinder shot at me. I would ignore it. <laughs> it. It doesn't matter because the rebuy and stuff is so short. It's almost like a fighter. So you can rebuy costs. Yeah, you can actually keep um, players away from you know, interdicting and destroying more valuable ships by harassing them with a sidewinder because they don't they find their ego so insulted because they're being shot at by a sidewinder they have to go after it and because they're going after you in a sidewinder they're not going after anyone else right so but basically he's not claiming he shot people down in pvp with just his, his sidewinder is he no, he's just saying he baited them. I know I've done this in an eagle around Jameson Memorial, where there was some griefers around Jameson Memorial just being, well, being murder hobos. So what myself and a bunch of guys went off and did was we jumped into our eagles, and we basically started shooting them, and or we used some of, frankly, STC's tactics against them. And you know, just deliberately ramming ourselves into them, so that the station would we'd we'd die, but the station would then go off and kill them in their mighty cutter. Sounds like a plan. Um, so you know, we're using STC's tactics against them when they're you know they're trying to dock because you know they need to get into the station, but and we're just we're shooting them and we're just we're just harassing them around the station. Which is just Surely winding them you up. would think that they are somewhat intelligent enough to protect themselves against their own tactics. Yeah, but who wants to die to a sidewinder? Mm. Well, precisely. If they if they if they use sidewinders themselves to get larger ships blown up, then surely when they're going to dock into a station, it should be somewhere in their tiny little minds that oh, maybe there's going to be a sidewinder going to try and ram into me. Just saying, yeah. just saying. If I'm going to tarnish one person with a brush, I'm going to expect to be tarnished with the same brush. What I thought about the particular achievement is, do you remember the gnome achievement in Half-Life 2? We had to carry yes. a gnome around with you all the time and then complete the game. <laughs> yes. This is the elite equivalent of the gnome achievement, I think. So, Commander Peter Perfect really should have a gnome winder. 
Is that, <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Or something. Yeah. Yes. I mean, with a little red hat and a fishing pole and everything. <laughs> A gnome bald head on his dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is surprise frontier themselves. So both Ed and Dale have been on the on the uh, on the forums going, Ooh, "You're an absolute nut job, but we love you." So, um, hopefully, Commander yeah, I Peter think that's pretty will much have everybody's something. reaction to it, isn't it? It's like <laughs> it you're crazy, but congratulations. I thought I was nuts enough going up to Colonia, but then again, my little silver sidewinder has managed to reach the second base. Ooh, Hold uh, on, madam. forgetting to second base, <laughs> Colin. I did Colonia in a 13 look light year orca, so sidewinder's not too much of an issue. Well, no. sidewinder has been to Beagle Point. Yes, well, that, sidewinder has been to Post engineers there, so. Well, actually, I think the guy, doing, it might be an eagle, definitely a sidewinder, where he. He was out for so long, he didn't actually have a buggy on board. <laughs> he just had the planetary suite. So this is where the rock rats came along. So to get enough materials for his frame shift boosts, someone had to go come along in a buggy, shoot the materials for him, and he had to scoop along the ground with his cargo suit open to get the materials in his sidewinder. Oh, can you? Can that you actually works. Yeah, that, I was about to ask. I never heard of being able to scoop materials using the cargo scoop on a planet. I'm, go- I'm going to have to try that and make sure it does work. You know what, Colin? I think we might be scientists in this one later. Yeah, I think I think that's that is a that is a challenge that has to be checked. So, um, unfortunately, we do have a little bit of a bad news. Um, for, for a number of years, Drew Wegar, um, or him of authoring fame, uh, has supported with both his time and proceeds from the books uh, an organization called the Marchwood Project. Now, it provides an alternative for youngsters who fall outside of school, college, and work to help them deal with mental images, uh, mental issues, and rebuild their lives. Well, last weekend, the project was a victim of a robbery and arson attack in which the charity lost everything. So Drew is helping them rebuild their work so they can continue. So um, we've put a link into the Just Giving Com, uh, Just Giving Com crowdfunding page. Uh, to So if you feel that um, they deserve a little bit of uh, support or or help, uh, just make a make a small donation there. So that is actually really sad news. It is, especially when you saw the photos that uh, that Drew published, because basically the entire place was gutted and torched. Yeah. Well, it was a charity, man. That what sort of low life does it take to do something like that? Probably the very kind of low life that would need help from the very, very position, the very charity that they, they just torched. It's, it's one of these horrible things. So, um, yeah. But moving on quickly, don't want to get too much of a downer on this one. Um, do we have any questions from the, the, the chat room? You know, anything, anything to lift our spirits? We might have gained oh, yes, a new listeners, happy Mike. questions. Um, um, Someone's yep. given a challenge to you, uh, Toxic, of trying to fight the lone radio sidewinder in a sidewinder. Someone wants me to fight the lone radio sidewinder in a sidewinder. So we're talking sidewinder on sidewinder action here. Yeah. Has the radio sidewinder, sidewinder, uh, radio 
Lave Radio Sidewinder got guns. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's elite. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we'll give yeah. it a go. Good luck with that one because I actually um, think this is something Shan should go and do. He's he's the the most combat oriented one of us. Why did they want me to shoot it in a sidewinder? I don't know. I think I think sh- I, well, I, there are better pilots in here for fighting than me. Well, Just that's why I'm it. thinking it should be Shan. And the fact that Shan's actually it's, here. It's, it's, it's a lose-lose, isn't it? Because if I blow <laughs> up the, the Lay Radio Sidewinder, you'll probably kick me off the show. No, he wouldn't. I've killed the Lay Radio Sidewinder, <laughs> and I've got, I've got no, proof of it. there would just be no show. No, don't worry about it. Foster's piloting it. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine, then. <laughs> you'll be fine. For some reason, he always manages to turn up after he's had a terminal accident. <laughs> we don't know why. Yes. I was just scrolling on which chat it's a yeah. vending machine technician it gives him instant god uh, godlike doesn't it that is his god we can't live without vending powers. machines what are you saying geez, half the elite community I should think if not three quarters lives out of vending machines yes moving on <laughs> moving on well I, I think at the moment um I think we'll just have to uh, tidy things up a bit. Um, if no one's got any, has anybody got any other business they want to quickly just touch on? I was going to say we we gained a potential <laughs> new listener from somebody who was just passing through Lave. Commander Lady Catherine came on, saw us all hanging out here, and thought everything looked very pretty and you know shiny ships and things like that. Wondered what was going off, so we told her about it. And then she was like, oh, thank you very much for the stream. So, if you're listening, hi, Commander Lady Catherine. And shall I say a quick hi to the other commanders who are in the area as well? We've got Yeah, might as well do. We've got Paul Archer, we've got Pom, we've got Reyna, we've got Serota, we've got Shan, we've got Sledgecaller. And I think that's all the commanders in the local vicinity. Fair enough. Well, um, this just leaves us with uh, a couple of things to say um, LaveCon uh, 2018 is still booked for the 8th to 10th of June uh, at the moment plans are still being made, tickets are not available yet but just keep that date penciled in the diary and as per usual I'm going to mention the CQC Discord for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action um, I have noticed lately that the Discord channel is actually coming it, it is more and more people are joining it and when more and more people join it the chances of getting a game increases a great deal um, and also the usual call out to the Pixel Bandits who will be running their own uh, Xbox only CQC uh, night about the same time we run this so <laughs> they'll catch us up on the, on the podcast anyway so we do have Commander Witherspoon with his usual fantastic Galnet news coming up after this, but that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook slash laveradio, and at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to http tinyurl.com slash lavechat, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders like to hang out and chat on teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live so thanks to Dr. Toxic thanks to Commander Ben Edelweiss and thanks to Commander Shan 
and thanks for those commanders who have joined us outside Lave Station. So until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Digest, 14th of November, 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, marvellous Thargoid vessels. One in the eye for science. The Black Wolves of California. Marvellous Thargoid vessels. A listening post in Keilano is believed to have revealed a new species of Thargoid ship. The listening post picked up and retransmitted a message from the Sirius Corporation's bulk carrier Aida, which was under attack from multiple Thargoid ships in the HIP-17862 system. Executive Officer Remy Devan reported that the Thargoid ships were of a different and much more dangerous form than the Thargoid ships already discovered. Devan reported that his ship had been disabled and the engines destroyed before his comms went dead. Canon Interstellar, using considerable mind-reading skills, worked out that when Officer Devan reported his position as HIP-17862, what he really meant was Electra. And a new variant of Thargoid ship has indeed been discovered there. Named the Basilisk, it seems to be a larger, more powerful version of the Cyclops. This has led some to speculate about Tharg the Mighty's cultural influences. 
much hangs on whether the next ship discovered is called the Chimera or the Wolverine. In related news, the Alliance has made available a new variant of its ship-launched fighter, the Falcon de Lacy Taipan. The AX-1 is intended to fight Thargoids, but has turned out to be one of the best weapons for attacking human ships. When asked to comment, an Alliance spokesman said, Oops. One in the eye for science. A famous astrophysicist has scored a massive own goal for science by admitting that the galaxy was indeed created by intelligent design. For years, scientists have been claiming that the universe was created by purely natural forces, and that the stars, the planets, and life itself were the deterministic creations of a set of scientific absolutes. Life, it was claimed, evolved through a process of natural selection. Now, though, science boffin Dr. Anthony Ross, carried away by his own cleverness, has claimed that not only was the galaxy created by an intelligent being, but the intelligent being in question is Dr. Anthony Ross himself. Dr. Ross went on to demonstrate irrefutably how he created the galaxy using eight bytes of data for every celestial body. He did not, however, demonstrate the creation of life or landing on atmospheric planets. The news that intelligent design is true has been welcomed by the Church of Pastifari, the followers of the invisible and undetectable, but nonetheless totally real, flying spaghetti monster. The Black Wolves of California In social news, in Tilalia, the Black Fleet is now issuing alternative system permits. The Conservatives of Telalia, who have been ousted from the system and have a government in exile in nearby Akandingua, continue to issue what they describe as the official system permits. The Wolves of Janai plan to build a new asteroid base and have appealed for explosives to help make it so. Let's hope it goes with a bang. The Alliance is setting up an agricultural facility in the California Nebula to help process the wacky backy they harvest from the pumpkins there. And Aegis continues to build new bases in the Pleiades to help make the Thargoids feel welcome. And Princess Ashling Duval has shaved off all her hair. For charity. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.